de Monte Cristo in Nashville. You are listening to The Smoking Section. This episode of the Smoking Section Podcast is brought to you by Crown Hit Cigars. Carve your own path. All right, here we are for another episode of the Smoking Section Podcast. Uh, we have here, I just told her that I have been a fan of her for a while now since I heard her song with Old Dominion. Uh, and then I researched, she even did a whole lot of like, whoa, like you wrote this, you wrote that. We'll talk about that here. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Caitlin Smith, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me today, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, I listened to High and Low and let me tell you how much of a spectacular album that is. Um, <laughs> I listen. I'm just like this is like it's like a good bonfire, chill, smoke a cigar. Yes, the whiskey with a glass of wine in your hand. Like, <laughs> just want to like we just want to like chill after a nice day. This is the good. This is like the soothing album. Man, thank you. That's a high compliment. That's a high compliment. <laughs> thank you so much. So, so here's my question. So, this is your third album. What have you done creatively differently? What did you do creative dif- differently creatively uh, that you didn't do for the first two albums? Yeah. So with this record, I decided to um, try something very different and I self-produced the album, which was kind of insane. Um, and so uh, it was something that I've always been curious about. You know, I if, if I go way back in my story, back to like teenager Caitlin, um, you know, I had a music room in my basement. My dad just like filled it with guitars and instruments. My brother and I were in a band and I had a Pro Tools rig. And I remember like playing and making demos like as a kid and like loving that part of it. But as soon as I like made it to Nashville, kind of saw this songwriting circle and how you know, songwriting really powers careers. I kind of set my sights on just like focusing on writing for years and years and years and just kind of got away from the play of production. Right. Um, and then I, you know, I made two records with two incredible producers, Paul Moak made my first album and then Paul and Leggy Landon, um, worked on my second album. And, and both of those humans were just like incredible, like Yoda figures (laughs) that taught me so much, um, about, painting a sonic landscape right and also i'm really i mean i've been no stranger to the studio i've done i've done my own demo sessions and all that stuff for years right. and so, but i was like what happens if i just kind of like put if i'm in charge and if i'm you know i'm in charge of making every sonic decision and um and it was something that was a little bit scary and daunting but i was like i i want to try it and so i did and I'm so proud. I'm so excited. It's, like I said, it's, it's a spectacular album Thank from you. top to bottom. Um, Thank you. I mean, it kicks off with high, it kicks off with high and low, and that sound that sound sounds like a like you were trying to get like a church feel. Like you better believe it. Yes, <laughs> I grew up singing in the church. Uh, it wasn't a gospel church, but I think just like I have that music running through my blood um, right. all the time, and so I love a good I love a good gospel feeling song. Oh, it was. It was I'm like, I was listening to this morning and it's like, oh my God, like, shit. <laughs> it was so fun to record too, though. Um, I, I imagined originally to have a choir, but then the choir is quite expensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And so I was like, maybe I can just get a couple of my favorite voices in Nashville and we'll just stack it like crazy. And we did. It was like so fun. <laughs> oh my God. So what's your, I, I, I hate to make you pick your kids, your favorite kid, but what, <laughs> right. what's your favorite song? What, what's, what song do you feel like you 
speaks to you more than any other song on the album? Oh, it depends on the day because it is high and low, right? It covers the whole gamut of human emotion. And so, um, and I'm proud of different songs for different reasons. I mean, a few of them, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of like the vulnerability of the the songwriting songs like Alaska or the great pretender. Um, some of them I'm really proud of, of how the production turned out like dreaming's free and high and writing songs and raising babies. Like that's one of my favorite like production moments just cause it, it brings me back to like Paul Simon records or something. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, it's hard to pick my babies. And I think I'm proud of different moments on the record for different reasons. So. So I was, I listened to lately, lately in Mississippi are my two favorites. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, uh, But lately is, I think it's lately. There's a, there's a male voice on lately. I believe I think it's lately. Oh, it's on Mississippi. Yes. Who is that? Oh, do you want to guess? Have you tried to guess? I've tried to guess. And I think I want to say that it's Matt Ramsey. Oh, it's not. But that's that's an awesome guess. I freaking love Matt's voice. Um, you, you think like more iconic, you know, maybe like the highest selling like artist of all time. <laughs> Brooks. Garth Brooks. <laughs> Are you shitting me? I'm so serious. It's insane. What? I know. I'm so grateful. I, and like, he is, he's like my hero, man. Like I have very like early memories of music. Right. And Garth Brooks is always in the background. I I just remember like pretending to be in music videos while the thunder rolls is playing in my garage. Like, right. And like, we fast forward here to like, he's singing on the record, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Cause it's like, I'm like, I know the voice. I like, and there's no like on Spotify. I can listen to it on Spotify, and but there's no like, there's no like featuring or right. and flying under the radar, man. Flying under the radar, and it's like, it's so special. It's like been a bucket list item of mine forever to sing a song with him, and I'm just I'm so grateful that he. He lent his magic. How was, how was that day? Now let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk about this. It's, was, so, it's ridiculous. So, how okay. Was that day? So it kind of goes back a handful of years ago when Garth, Garth recorded one of my songs called Tacoma. Right. And so he, like... Oh, time out. Time out. Rewind. Come on. You wrote Tacoma? Yes. <laughs> totally. I literally, so... I love this version so much. It's I'm going to tell you this. I probably shouldn't tell you on this, but I'm going to put it on. I so I worked for SiriusXM. Yeah, he had it. He had his channel, and I took the audio from it because I loved the song so much, and I couldn't find the damn song anywhere. <laughs> so the phone is so so it's right, so it doesn't have it on streaming services right. so you have to go find the actual album or yeah so it's like it's the audio is sitting in my iCloud drive on my phone you like recorded off the radio <laughs> <laughs> that's epic oh okay Okay. All right. So, that's, so we go way back there. So that's how I met Garth. And like, I mean, he's just, he's so special. And, um, you know, we've, we've ran into each other multiple times over the years. I've sang on his records. I've sang on Trisha's records. She's got my songs. And so, you know, they've kind of become part of my little community here in Nashville and of what, a what a community to have. If you have that. It's, it's pretty insane. <laughs> so, 
when I was thinking of a male voice for this song, um, I was like, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if Garth would do it. <laughs> so I sent him a text. I was like, yo, do you want to sing on this? I really feels like it'd be perfect for you. And he just, he responded right away. He's like, I'd love to. And I was like, you haven't even heard the song. <laughs> and, and he's like, I don't care. And he just added his magic. And it was like the best day of my life. <laughs> Oh my God. That um, is wow. Wow. It's so special. Wow. So let's so we're, we're gonna go back in time now. This did the teenager Caitlin ever see any of this happening? No way. I mean, here's the deal. Teenager Caitlin always wanted to do music, right? Mm-hmm. I've I'm and I'm always like, I've always been kind of this big dreamer, goal maker. And so I found notebooks of like high school Caitlin being like, by the end of the year, I'm going to get a record deal and I'm going to be on a tour and like, you know, stuff like that. Like I was like dreaming it up to way back then. And so, right. you know, some of this stuff. Yeah. Like I've, I've wanted my whole life. Um, but I never, ever would have imagined or painted it like this. Wow. It's, it's insane. <laughs> and part of it has been like, you know, my career's kind of been a long and winding road. Like as an artist, it took me a while to figure out who I was as an artist, what I wanted to say. I spent a lot of time chasing after different avenues instead of just like listening to myself. And so it took me a while. Um, what year did you move to Nashville? I moved, well, hey, year, well, this is about 13 years ago. So it would have been 2010. 2010. Oh, so you yeah. moved the same time I did. I moved, I've been in town for 13 years. Yeah. Lucky yeah. number 13. Lucky number 13. And we, like, I, I, I feel like we've seen this city grow. Yes. From literally probably nothing. I think it was like uh, one restaurant. Yes. <laughs> It was like that or the Cracker Barrel, oh, Cracker Barrel. or Waffle House. Where yeah. that's, that's really all it was. And um, I had a discussion with Charles Essen about like, I, I blame the TV show Nashville about, you know, yeah, for blowing it up, blowing it up, you know, <laughs> um, he's like, for he's like, no, he's like for the traffic. I'm like, no, I, I blame you completely. Yeah. It's all his fault. <laughs> all your fault, dude. Um, what was your first start? Cause you came from Minnesota. I came from Minnesota. So what was your first impression of Nashville when you first moved to Nashville? Yeah, it felt when I first came here, right? I was a I was a high schooler and my mom drove me down here and it felt like a small town still at that point. You know, the first place we went was like Franklin and I was like this is like it, it felt so small and sweet and um you know, I fell in love with the fact that it's music city, that this place was full of other creators and music lovers. And that I was like, yeah, I need to move here like immediately. Cause I was like, I want to be around this. But then I, I also didn't realize um, that it's actually songwriter city too. And that there's a whole community of people with this job of just making up great songs. And so I kind of became obsessed with that. And I was like, well, that's what that's going to be that's going to be how I decide to move to Nashville. Like I can get a publishing deal. Then I can pay my bills and just focus on writing. Um, you know, so I can get some, figure out what I want to say as an artist. It really was like a means to an end for me. Um, but the writing thing crazily enough kind of took off, which was nuts. (laughs) That was unexpected. So let's talk about the writing thing. Cause I listened to an artist named Megan Trainor. Yes. Um, and one of my, actually, I think it is my favorite song of Megan Trainers 
There's the one she did with John Legend. <sighs> like, I'm going to lose you. And this is not me. Listen, everybody. This is not me kissing up to Caitlin Smith. <laughs> she's, standing, she's standing right in front of me. No, this is me being real. That's probably my favorite song. And to, to learn today that you wrote that song. I mean, if you listen to the song, it's straight out of Nashville. It's straight out of Nashville. It's not like an L.A. song or a New York song. It's straight out of Nashville. Um, so let's start with the day that you wrote that song. Did you think that it was going to get cut by Megan Trainer and John Legend? No, when we wrote that song, um, Megan had just, you know, she was kind of taking trips. She grew mm-hmm. up in Nantucket. She was taking trips between like her hometown and Nashville. And she finally moved to Nashville. She had just signed her publishing deal and she was just writing songs like crazy. So she didn't have a deal or anything. And so we were writing that day for a pitch. We were like, maybe we can pitch this to Kelly Clarkson. Maybe we could pitch this like, you know, so we weren't thinking this was going to be for her. Um, but it's so awesome because we wrote the song, pitched it around, you know, no, we had no bites on it. But then she had been writing a ton um, with with Kevin, the guy who produced the first record. Um, I can't think of his last name right now. And then they wrote all about that bass. Right. And the, and the whole thing just kind of snowballed for her. And she became a superstar within a, within a couple of years. So when she went to make the record, she was looking through her old demos and... Um, they picked this song out of the pile, which is so cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the number right now. So this is how I know the exact number. The exact streaming number on Spotify, just on Spotify, it's not Apple Music, it's just on Spotify, 924,082,632. Oh my God. That's almost a billion. Almost a billion. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> it's almost a billion. That's I'm, insane. I'm probably a million, a million on that. Just not gonna lie. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. And then, so you, so we talked about legends. We talked about you right with Garth Brooks. You had a cut with Kitty Rogers and Dolly Parton. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> How crazy is your life? <laughs> it's really bizarre. I don't really understand it. It feels like whenever whenever people say that to me, specifically the Kenny and Dolly thing, it feels like what? Like every time I'm still surprised by it. <laughs> like that did happen. It's just like, wait, wait a minute. I saw that I'm like, Kenny and Dolly? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, this guy, like, whoa. It's so cool. That story is so cool, though, too, because when I moved to town, I had um, this incredible songwriter. He's like a Hall of Fame songwriter by the name of Don Schlitz. Now, Don wrote like The Gambler, Forever and Ever Amen, like when you say nothing now, like some of the the most like defining songs right, um, of country music. And so Sweet Don agreed to kind of like take me under his wing. And we wrote like dozens of songs together. And he was like my Yoda for those first handful of years in town. And so um, with You Can't Make Old Friends, Don was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Kenny Rogers pulled him aside and said, I have this title for you. Like, will you write this for me? And so the next week, Don and I were scheduled to write. And he was like, do you want to try and write this with me? I feel very lucky. Um, but we wrote the song together and then, you know, didn't hear anything for all, like it was almost a year. We like just didn't hear anything. We thought, oh, he didn't like it. And then just to find out that to sell it, they, they cut the song to celebrate 30 years since Island in the stream. Right. So they decided to just do it one last time. And 
Oh, I feel so grateful for that little like piece of history. These two icons. That's insane. <laughs> and grateful for Don. Good Lord. Good Lord. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm baffled. I'm, I'm baffled because it's like, holy, holy shit. Like you, not, especially now that I know that Garth Brooks is, is on Mississippi. It's like, <laughs> you die a happy woman. I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> you better believe it. That high woman. So um, uh, you also have cuts with Miley Cyrus and Avicii. Um, how do you go into the room? And do you have the same mind? Like, do you have the same mindset when you go into a room and you're writing for different genres? Yeah. I, I mean, of course, I'm going to have... A- a little bit more focus or different kind of headspace if I'm going to write with a pop artist versus a country artist. Um, you know, I'm going to definitely, if I'm, if I'm coming in with an artist, I'll spend a, some time before just getting melody ideas, title ideas, like, so I can come with a bucket of something right. and man, m- maybe I'll not even use any of it, but it's good to at least bring something to the table. Right. Um, but really my job is when I'm in the room with those writers is like really connecting with the artists so that I can kind of crack them open and they, they feel safe to share a piece of their story. Right. And, and safe to kind of let us dig around in their brain and their heart and their life. And um, I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's just like write with other with other artists, <laughs> kind of pull it out of them. Gee, I call. I saw. I, I told my one friend. I, I called you. Um, this generation's Allison Krauss. Oh man, <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> I mean, because you guys like you guys both have. You, first, you guys still have like the the high note vocals, which you guys like clearly hit perfectly but you you guys also like the 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 comparison that i'm getting is it doesn't have to be commercial for it to be the perfect song yeah it doesn't have to be commercial for it to be successful you know what i mean um the crazy thing is went to hear you say that marcus is i mean that's the first cassette that i had was now that i found you and that it was it was her man that cracked it open for me i remember being eight years old and sitting in front of my boombox and like flipping that record back like that cassette back and forth and reading the lyrics and studying her voice being like how does anybody do that that's insane she sounds like an angel and then this is the songs are what really blew me away like as a kid i was like how does anyone write like doesn't even write like this. This is crazy. So it's not to hear you say like that because that's really what that's what did it all for me. That's where it all started. Wow. I mean, and that's that's the vibe. I mean, that's, I, I say because it's true. That's the vibe that you give off, which is which is phenomenal. I mean, Alison Cross is it's a she's a legend. She's a legend. You know, uh, I met her once and I was a blubbering idiot. I totally. I've never been starstruck. <laughs> I've never been that starstruck except with Bonnie Raitt, <laughs> but I met her and I was in total, I was like, Oh no, I'm germing. Oh no, this is going. So I'm not cool at all. This is a mess. And I walked away and I just started crying. Cause I was like, that was so awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> I lost that my was, That was me when I met Reba. <gasps> oh, Oh, I get that. I get that. I, oh. met, I met Reba on the song. The, She's on, so cool. In the interstate. It was on the like there wasn't even the interstate. It was like it was like right on Demumbrian Street. Yeah, it was in her car, and I was <laughs> I happened to be in the car next to her, and it was like nine o'clock at night. She was leaving the office or whatever, <laughs> at a stop 
light and I look over and I'm like, that's Reba driving. <laughs> I start, I run my window down and start honking my horn like a madman. She's like, oh my God. She the window down. She goes, hi, baby. And I'm like, you're Reba. She's so, she's so, she's like, you bet I am. <laughs> Man, I got to do a tour with her. I got to do a handful of dates with her last year and she is a, she is a legend. She's a master class in class. <laughs> She's the most, I can't even, I can't even handle. And being able to like. Dolly. It's her and Dolly. Oh, I haven't met Dolly yet, but I know I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, if I, if I met, if I meet Garth, I'm going to lose my mind on Garth. Oh, the great that Garth is like, so re he's so real. And like, when you talk to him, he's just like, you've known him your whole life. Yeah. Just so marvelous. He's yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to freak out the day that I meet Garth. Yeah. And George Strait. Not going to lie. George Strait. <laughs> I just can't with that guy. He's just the best. <laughs> we get to do a few more shows with him this year. And I just am still like a kid. Every single show, I'm like, oh my God, that's George Strait. <laughs> so so we talk, we've talked about, like, we, we obviously we've talked about a lot of iconic icons that we, we mentioned here. Who would be, let's not do icons. Who would be... Oh. Who would be your 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 dream collaboration? Because you've already got obviously you've already got Garth Brooks. <laughs> so I don't think we can top that. Well, I think here's the here's the deal. When he's not he is an icon, but like yeah, he's a, an icon in the he's, making. He's still relevant. He, no, I'm talking about oh. it would be it would be Chris Stapleton. Like he will be like George Strait. Dolly Parton, Chris Stapleton. Yes. Um, I would die to collab with him. He's got the most magical voice on planet. Earth. Have you written with him? Not yet. Yes, that would be a good one. Be magic. I mean, if, I mean, if Morgan and him have another kid, she's going to maternity leaves. You guys can just, you know, you can fill in for her. I am. You know what? I'm just gonna put my ad out right now. If he ever needs that, I am. I am here. <laughs> Well, you can fill in for it. Just saying, you know. She's uh, so good. Their voices together, are like that, is like magic. It's, it's, just, it's disgusting. It's disgustingly <laughs> magic. It's magic. unbelievable how those two. It's like they were just created to be, be together and sing yeah. together. It's like, yeah. it's like it's it's like it, and it like you see them live and it's like holy shit, like. <sighs> You can hear I've seen him dozens of times, and every like it's they're all like my favorite show I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so insane. Yeah, yeah. I saw him, I saw him one time. He he headlined British on Arena, and um, oh yeah, I think I was at that one. Yeah. Yes, and I was just like I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I'm because I'm so used to like in your face country music like entertainers. But right. it, he's all about the music. Yeah. And if you don't know this, if you don't know this, people listening, if you don't know this, when you go see a Chris Stapleton show, make sure you're sitting on the stage right because then you'll see his face. Oh, yeah, right. So that makes can, sense. Because Morgan is standing stage right, so he's most of the time... And like going there. For sure, him. I never thought of that. So it's like, I'm like, I, I picked up on that, but I'm like, 
they're just so in love that he literally just can't take his eyes off of her. That's so nice. That's so nice. It's just the best. God, and that band is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're so used to hearing, like, music that's, like, on a click track, has tracks, and, like, just to hear real like real people playing real music together. <laughs> Jeez. So let's let's um let's go back to the album here, highs and lows. Um, because I, I wanna what's your highest moment? <laughs> in life and in music. Someone asked me this the other day and I was like, I don't really know. It's hard to pick. Um it's either, you know, the birth of my kids or being Super high singing at Red Rocks with Willie Nelson. <laughs> That's really a literal cool. high. <laughs> That's the literal highest moment. <laughs> What's your lowest moment? Man, that's a that's a tough one. Because I feel like there, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of low. There's been a lot of low. I've been in this town for 13 years and it's hard to pick one because I feel like I, I got knocked down a lot. Um, I do remember one time I had a record label meeting and, um, she, the, the ladies, the people were just not into it. They're like, okay, thanks. And like, really like, I remember I just silently closed my guitar and then I left the building and sat on my guitar case and it started raining on me. <laughs> and I was like waiting for my ride in the rain. Like, this sucks. This is never going to happen. <laughs> how, how did you overcome that? How did you? I mean, you know what was great? Is I feel so blessed. Um, I've been married 13 years. And um, my husband picked me up and he just was like, you know what? He's like, don't worry about it. And he just is like, sounds like laugh to me. Like he just starts singing a Daryl Worley song and like just tries to pick me up. He's like, you're made to do this. It's like, he just is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I, if I wouldn't have had that person to help like pick me up, he's picked me up a thousand times and told me to keep going. And I do feel grateful for that. Cause I don't know. If I would have, if I was just doing this myself hard <laughs> it's good to have a, a support system in everything that you do yes you know because if you don't have that support system you you would have a mental people have mental breakdowns like people have absolutely breakdowns. it's so necessary like you know i've got my family and my, and my husband which is an incredible support system but also even just having like other friends in the industry that you can just kind of be like check this out and like kind of bounce stuff off of each other and be like yeah, I'm in the same boat and it just, it feels, it makes you feel less alone because this, this industry is insane. So you, you've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I keep telling people, I keep telling newcomers, you know, interns and things like that about the industry and how it, you know, you got to have thick skin. Yeah, totally. Totally. You have thick skin and you're not going to survive uh, because this industry will literally chew you or spit you out three times over. Yeah. Um, and you gotta, you gotta find that circle around you where you can bounce ideas off of. You gotta, yeah. where you can, you know, have those mental breakdowns behind closed doors with your friends and family. Yeah. Right, right. And, and have people understand. Cause you know, I mean, family is not, family is great to have, but also, you know, they don't fully understand the music industry. Right, if they're not a part of it, they can only get like that much. Yeah, right, for sure. right. You know, and, and it's, it's tough because sometimes you have like your family members who like who mean well. They don't mean for you to give up, and they're like, "Well, you can always try something else." Like you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but I can't. Like, 
scams. <laughs> kind of obsessed with this. There is no plan B, okay? There is no plan B. Like, this is where I'm meant to be, you know? Um, yeah, there's just been a lot of levels. So, so here, here's my question. You, you've, I've, I've been asking this to a lot of people now. You have a cut. You had a cut with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. You've sang the song with Garth Brooks. You've had a cut by Garth Brooks. You've had a cut by Megan Trainor. Number one hit by Megan Trainor. I think that was number one, didn't it? Number one hit by Megan Trainor. Do you feel like you've made it? <laughs> that is that is that question always makes me laugh. <laughs> um, it makes me laugh because of the, the reality uh, that I, that I know I keep moving the goalpost. And it's like, so my, maybe my 15 year olds will be like, yeah, cool. You're going to retire. Like you're doing good. But like now my 36 year old self is like, oh, but now I want to do these things. And, um, this is still on the bucket list and not to say that I'm not satisfied and grateful for the path that I've walked and the things that have happened, like for sure. But it's like, I am, I'm not finished yet. And so I've got, I still got a lot more to do, a lot more music to make. And, and, you know, do you, do do you, do you look at yourself and and you're like, you're getting, do you feel as though, do you feel as though you're getting better and better each album release or each song that you release? Yeah, I, I do. I I think I, each album, each song that I write, like, I mean, I honestly, every day, it's like a step further into who I am. It's also a step more, more into like shedding, caring about what everybody else thinks, which has been a problem that I've had for a long time of just like listening and looking around and worrying about what other people think. And I feel like the more I step into, into, you know, my artist's shoes, right. Um, it just goes deeper and deeper and more and more solidified, right? Every record. It, it, it seems like that seems to be a common. It seems to be a common battle with artists. Where isn't it a common? I wonder if it's a common. Yeah. Thing with everybody. Yeah. Well, you like, as you grow, yeah. you learn more about yourself. You learn who you are and who you don't want to be, and mm-hmm. and you're stepping more into that, like every year of your life, right? right. And so. Yeah. I mean, it's that as a human, but then also think of it as in your artistry or, or whatever craft or whatever, like job you're doing. Right. You're going to be better every year. I don't know. Wow. This is exciting, right? That makes me excited to get older. Yeah. I'm just going to be getting better. It makes you look forward to the future. Yes. We yeah. should though, man. We get to live life. It's cool. We get yeah. to do it. Really cool stuff. <laughs> so here's here's another question. What would 36-year-old Caitlin, what advice would she give 15-year-old Caitlin? Mm, man, um, like the sooner that I could tell my, like I get myself to give less shits about other people, like that, the better. Like I wish I could just tell that younger version, like stop, like put the blinders on keep looking at the path in front of you and stop looking around. And like, also if I could tell that 15 year old self to just like figure out who you are, don't look around, like figure out who you are and then do that with the utmost intention and purpose. Um, I think I would have saved myself a lot of time because I think I spent a lot of time, like not knowing and figuring out, which is, which is fine, but, but I didn't do the work. 
of like just digging in. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's, that's some advice. There's a, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a whole lot. There's a whole, there's a whole lot. lot. I probably could write a book to my 15 year old self. <laughs> there's a whole lot. Well, this has been amazing. This is, I am so glad that I finally get to meet you. If I could interview you, um, I, I, again, this is a spectacular album. Spectacular. Thank I, you. Wish, I wish I wish it'd be nominated for CMA ACM album of the year. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. It's so it's so damn good. If you haven't thank listened you. to it, go check out High and Low by Kaylin Smith. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Man, same. It was such a pleasure to chat with you, Marcus. And I hope I get to hang with you in person real soon. Yes, absolutely. Come on out to a show. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to, for sure. All right. <laughs> Bye now. All right, my dear. Take care. Bye. From Casa de Monte Cristo in Nashville, you are listening to The Smoking Section.